Welcome back to the 12-Sided Guys. We have Matt as Pine. Hi. Oh. <laughs> that was that was pained. That was pain. Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, Scott as Roos. That's me. Hopefully still me in the next session. <laughs> Jordan as Ebby. Salutations. Sabrina as Nari. Hey there. And me, Paul, as... I lay me down to sleep. This I pray that you will hold me dear, though I'm far away. I'm so, so sorry. I am so sorry. Anyway, thanks for hanging out with us today to hear some D&D. Disc 2 really hit the ground running, so let's see what's up for our characters this time. If you want to help us out, go check out our Patreon for some bonus content and a little gift. Also, ratings and reviews are oh so nice, but even just spreading the word really helps. You can talk to your friends, your gaming group, your pastor, your dog groomer, your proctologist, you know, whoever. (laughs) All your best friends. (laughs) Uh, I'm really blushing after that really terrible joke. I am so sorry, everybody. Anyway, if your favorite time isn't 420, but instead it's 50 seconds after 610, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex episode 57. Are you giving us a chainsaw, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) All right, welcome back to Tabory Castle. And this insane fight that our players have been having with these um, cultists, it seems like. These people who are are here to do some kind of bidding for Iramil. Last time we were together, um, the players met a man up in the, uh, the top of the tower uh, in Kira's bedroom. A man named Ben who was part of this group. And he said he didn't want to die and he wasn't willing to take the potion. So then our players rushed back downstairs to see... What was going on with Kira? They ran into some more of these ruffians who hit really, really hard. Um, took out Pine a couple of times. Pine fell, uh, I don't know, three times, I think. Um, knocked unconscious, but he kept getting brought back up. And um, it got so dire that uh, the decision was made to flee. And Ebby created a cloud of darkness. And uh, he fled up the stairs, followed by Pine and then Nari. And then Roos, in the dark, decided to alter his appearance and look like Ben, the man they had met up at the top, and sneak in to the, uh, the dungeon, the torture chamber prison area where Kira was being held. And there he saw, um, laid out on this arcane symbol, scrawled on the floor of one of the prison cells, Kira, um, laying there with a, a woman, a young woman, chanting over her reading words off of this page. So Roos opened the door, stabbed the woman a couple times, stole the paper, ripped it up and stuffed it in his pocket, and then gave a healing potion to his sister, Kira, who grabbed a dagger lying next to her, a ceremonial sort of uh, occult looking dagger, hopped up, stabbed this woman three times and told her to get out of her castle. And that is where we are right now. We are jumping right back into initiative. It is Ebby's turn. Here's what's going on. Roos is still in the bottom floor in this prison cell with Kira, as well as this kind of cult leader, this young woman, probably in her 
early 20s. Um, she'd be cute if she wasn't kind of slack-jawed and now covered in blood. How'd you know that's how I like them? <laughs> <laughs> At the top of the staircase, um, on the second floor, we have Nari, Pine, and Ebby surrounding um, this mage who had been harassing them earlier. Um, just so everyone knows what's going on, last time uh, Nari had used her axe of the adjudicator to force this woman to grovel, and that is what she will be doing at her next um, available opportunity. But for now, we have Ebby facing off against her at the top of the stairs. All right, and we're just going to go ahead and do some mana cannon on this lady, do a couple blasts at her face, so 13 to hit. That will hit. Yeah, all right, do more than two damage, come on. Four damage. That's twice as much. That's <laughs> yeah. twice as much damage. <laughs> ah, she takes it. Boom. She's still standing. All right. And another hit. Here we go. 19 to hit. That'll hit. Another four damage. She is. I'm never going to roll above half of whatever my hit the damage dice is. I'm just letting you guys know now. Oh, man. Well, she is hit hard. She is barely standing. Um, but she is still standing. It is now her turn, and now she is no longer standing because she kneels down in front of Nari and bows her head, waiting for the killing blow from Nari's axe. All right, back to the top of the initiative. We have Amarok. All right, um, Amarok is just gonna go ahead and attack the cultist leader lady. Presumably cultist leader lady. Oh, got a nat 20 for a 25 to hit. Oh my gosh. Whoa. So it would normally be six. Are we straight doubling that or damp doubling the dice damage? We double the dice. So it's a D4 plus three. So that means that uh, it's nine damage so far. Nine damage so far. And then she needs to make a DC 11 constitution save. Oh my gosh. Uh, she rolled a natural 11. So no poison damage or half poison damage, I guess half poison damage and she will do 22 poison damage um, is what it should be. Halved to 11. Okay. That boy, Amarok. That brings us now to this cult leader's turn. She pulls out a sword from underneath her cloak and she is going to attack once at Kira and once at Roos. This could be bad. Well, here we go. She has a plus seven to hit. So against Roos, an 11. That will miss. And against Kira, a 19. Ouch. Kira is going to get hit. And she had 10 hit points, right? I think I only gave her seven. Let me double check. I think I you think gave her seven. exactly seven. Okay. So Kira falls down unconscious after that um, that amazing like comeback. Like she stands up. She's ready to go. And then she falls down unconscious. So she knocks Kira unconscious and she whips the sword back towards you and she says, give me that page. All right, Pine, it is your turn. All right, so with uh, the, the mage at the top of the stairs is kneeling, so now I don't have disadvantage on my attacks against her. So I'll take my first attack against her. Okay. And that's only a nine. <laughs> oh no. And my second attack is a crit. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> So that means that, uh, oh geez, so that's 19, uh, 19 plus 14, so that's uh, 33 damage. Oh my, um, yeah. 33 damage? You almost would have killed her in one hit as it is. Okay. She only has 40 hit points. Oh my gosh. You, how do you do this? I mean, 
you know what? It's actually it's not pretty because I'm like I'm leaning heavily on my cane and uh, uh, the the my sword is my sword arm is possibly broken. Um, so it's more of a of a knowing my limitations and getting just the right angle on a sword that I can barely hold uh, and just kind of right into her gut. Okay. Well, um, Nari, I want you to make a quick perception check as this woman tumbles out of view. I rolled a 27. Okay. You recognize this woman. Now that you've kind of, you're not fighting for your life at this moment, you kind of look at her face and you recognize her from the pit. Um, she was the woman who had been listening to the prophet Mordecai. And as you watched her, you saw that she had like her hand in her pouch and she was kind of touching something and then she kind of pulled her hand away and walked away. And, uh, you recognize her as she tumbles down the stairs out of view. So with the rest of my turn, I'm going to, uh, I guess, bonus action or item interaction, I'm going to hand Nari um, the remaining potion I, I have, and I'll say, you two go down the stairs first. I'm going to be too slow, but we can't leave Roos down there alone. And I will um, wait this round at the top. Um, I'll move Kenneth's S-talk back down 20 feet down into the stair, back down into the room. Okay. Um, and uh, I'll wait for the other two, so Ebby and Nari, to head down the stairs, and then I'll follow behind, because I'll slow them down otherwise. Okay, awesome. Nari, it's your turn. Okay, so Nari will definitely take that potion. It's just a 2d4 plus 2. Okay, sweet. So I got um, a couple, uh, couple of points here. And then, yeah, I'm going to run down the stairs and um, basically try to find Roos. He's back in this room, right? Yeah, so that's 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 feet so far of movement. I'm guessing you're using your dash. Yeah, I think I'm going to just use my dash to get there. Yeah, as you run through the arsenal, you can see the, the open doorway. You kind of follow your, your way in, and you can see Amarok standing kind of by this open doorway uh, of, a, of one of these cells, the furthest one to the west. Okay, so I will kind of position myself um, in front of the doorway, blocking the hallway next to Amarok. Okay. Um. And I guess that's kind of my move for now, so. Okay. All right. And that brings us to Roos. Roos, it is your turn. What are you going to do? You know, I think I'm all out of crazy things that will shift this in a better direction. (laughs) (laughs) Roos is going to mutter under his breath and he's going to say, if somehow you can still hear me, Lord Laramie, this is how we get revenge. And I'm going to attack with my sword okay in 19 to hit and you get sneak attack yep so nine piercing four necrotic 13 sneak attack for 26 damage holy cow tell me what laramie what his um inspiration does for Roos. i envision she she brings her sword up to block the blow and uh Roos knocks it aside with his with his um, his main hand and then pushes her back against the wall and slowly shoves his offhand straight through her heart. Oh, that's brutal. And just kind of watches her as she falls to the ground and almost like forgets about the moment and all of the pressing need to save his sister. And he just like watches this woman die. And part of him feels really good about it. Yeah. I mean, she was trying to kill your sister. So <laughs> you have killed this cult leader and we will cue victory music.
Oh, no oh. way. <gasps> oh, Holy I cow, don't. guys. Oh, my I... God. <laughs> um, <laughs> with with Kira there, real quickly, I want to do something with um, with Amarok. Well, um, well, well, first off, first off, it's not it's not Amarok's turn yet. Let me let me go through the initiative again because it is now Kira's turn, and she has to make a death saving throw. And she rolled a <laughs> she rolled a natural twenty. There oh, yes. you go. That's my girl. <laughs> oh my god! Her eyes flutter <laughs> open as she kind of looks around. She hops up like uh, to her to her feet. You know her her one good leg. Um, you know, kind of uh, supporting more of her weight. And she looks around the room. And now we can exit initiative. Oh, oh wow! Okay. Kira is not no longer holding that dagger. There is this arcane symbol on the ground that she was kind of lying in the middle of, and there is uh, there are dead bodies all over the place now. I described this a little bit last time, but Roost, um, these cells that you're in, you're in the furthest west one, but you can see that the middle one and the further east one, they have some people locked up in there. And as you look at them, you recognize a couple of the, like three of these are guards that were here at the castle. And they're saying, let us out, let us out, we can help. Okay. Uh, Nari is going to immediately busy herself with those cells and trying to open them. Okay. Whether or not she can find a key, that's what she's going to completely absorb herself into. Okay. I imagine you start looking for a key and you can't find one. Then you start just start hitting it with your with your axe, and actually the locks come open relatively easy. Nice. Pine is stumbling down the stairs, looking finally like a 76-year-old man, leaning so heavily on his cane. <laughs> just kind of, like he... Um, he looks a bit lost and dazed as well, kind of just stumbling through the halls, trying to get to where Kira is. I think Ebby's going with Pine too. Okay. Maybe even helping him if he can. Lean on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, you guys manage to all get down into this uh this kind of prison area of this tower. And Kira is kind of she sits back down in the middle of this symbol and she kind of looks around herself like, what? happened cultists of the angel i don't know what they were trying to do but i have no doubt they were of iramil they thought that your death would appease their god and she looks down at the the dagger on the ground and she kind of picks it up she says with this this symbol and my blood in this incantation russell pulled the the note from his pocket i ripped it i thought about eating it but you know I still have it, so we can try and translate it. Yeah, it may do to study that. Yeah. Uh, Pine is going to walk over to the symbol on the ground and start kind of just scuffing it with his foot so it's not complete. Okay. But not like ruining the whole thing, so we can still get an idea of what it's supposed to look like. Okay. Sure thing. While you're doing that, why don't you make a, an arcana check? With disadvantage. With disadvantage. Can I can I help him with doing some of this? Well, I got a four. <laughs> You can do the check yourself, I think. Why don't you go ahead and do the check yourself? Okay. <laughs> with, with negative one. Negative one. I didn't know that you could roll a zero. That's so great. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so Ebby is apparently less than useful. He looks at this and he's like, I just don't understand modern art these days, guys. I'm not going to lie. Oh the, the color appears to be red. <laughs> yes. I knew it. 
It's uh, red, all right. Yeah, as you guys look, you guys can ascertain that this is uh, blood of some kind. Um, it's not Kira's blood, um, so it might be blood from an animal or something. Uh, while they're doing that, and Nari is going to be a little bit disappointed that she was able to open those cells so easily, so she is going to busy herself with um, searching this cultist leader and seeing if she has anything interesting on her. Okay. You, um, you realize that that puts you really close to where Kira is. Well, yeah, but I'm really busy with, like, my hands and stuff. I'm looking at this person. Like, I'm, I'm very invested in searching this person. Sure you are. All right. Well, let's, <laughs> let's see what comes up. Um, yes. Okay. As you um, as you are searching over this body, you see that um, this uh, this woman, she's young. She's probably like, you know, 20 to 25, somewhere in there. Um, she um, would probably be considered attractive. Um, you see that um, in her pouch uh, at her belt, she has a small vial similar to what you found upstairs on Ben, um, but this one is empty. Um, no stopper and it's empty. And you also find in her pouch a letter. Um, as you pull it out and you start to read it, um, you see that it says, the angel is pleased with your work, but Tabri the kingdom should not be. It was not meant to be. It must be made right. The kingdom must fall for Iremil to bless us with the inevitable. Silence Tabri's queen once and for all. And then it's signed Silas. Um, I will obviously kind of show that to Ebby and Pine, who are kind of back here with me and um, really be engrossed in reading it. <laughs> Apparently there's somebody named Silas. I've never heard of anybody of that name. I had a, a kid in middle school who was named Silas. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there a guy on Heroes named Silas who ate people's brains to get superpowers? Absolutely. That's probably who it is. <laughs> yeah. That show kind of went downhill after season two. That was Siler. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. All right. So Kira, um, Kira looks at you, Roos, and she puts her hand on your shoulder and she says, thank you so much for rescuing me, for not turning your back on Tabri. <laughs> not turning your back on me. Look, sis, I'd never turn my back on you. And frankly, Tabri was always yours. Always was. You built this. Behind me, I was just in front of you. But you made all the decisions, so, so own it. And I'll always be here for you. Well, I mean, I do have to go and try and save the world again. <laughs> but when I finish that, then I'll come back. Try to undo the saving of the world we did last time. That's right. <laughs> that, was, that was our whoopsie. Now we have a mulligan. That's right. No, I've, I've, like I said in our conversations before, these, something about these swords kind of drives me to end this, and then I can put them down. She, uh, she nods. She says, I, I think I understand now. And then she looks over at the cult leader, and she's like, yeah, I, I get it. Uh, and then she starts to walk out of the room. You can see that in these other cells, these soldiers, that these guards that had been beat up and, and stripped of their gear, they start to uh, move into the arsenal and start to re-equip themselves with swords and, and armor and stuff. And one of them kind of comes up to Kira and says, um, I'm so sorry, my queen, that we, we failed you. And she says, no, no, it was, it was not your fault. We, we should double the guard now and uh, make, sure that, make sure that we stay safe. Apparently... Somebody 
wants me dead. And they busy themselves getting getting equipped and everything and going to go start looking through the castle to see if there's any more any more uh, uh, intruders. Pine will um, unsuccessfully try to keep up with them and say, "We did leave one person up in the um, up in the, the queen's chambers, uh, but he shouldn't be a problem for another hour or so. We may need to call in. Do we have like a civilian militia?" Yeah, they they nod. The, the constables. Yes, we can we can go get some of the constables. Yes, I think I think. I think we should oh, we should wake everyone. Okay. Of the constables. Yes. <laughs> Start ringing the bell. <laughs> Everybody wake up. No, oh, yeah. So Last they, uh... time we did that, it ended in people in the stocks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So the, the guards, they, they rush off. And uh, Kira starts to um, kind of look at this uh, room with the symbol that Pine had scuffed. Uh, Nari, make a perception check. 26. You see Kira glance up at you and then glance back down. And um, then she never glances back up at you again. But you don't necessarily think that she's mad or anything. You think that she's she's kind of doing what you're doing. You know, she's awkwardly waiting for somebody else to make the first move. She's really engrossed in this letter that I'm reading, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Pinewell conspicuously say, Nari, the queen owes you her life. You are amazing up there. <laughs> I mean, Evie and, and Roos, you, you helped as well, but but Nari, you are amazing coming to, to save the queen. Under her breath, be like, old man, you thought you were in trouble before. <laughs> <laughs> well, at that, Pine, um, Kira looks up and she makes eye contact with you, Nari, and um, she says, Nari, you have my eternal gratitude. And then she starts to hobble out of the room. Roos will put his arm around her shoulder and help her walk out. Yes. And he'll, he'll accompany her wherever she's going for now. Yeah. She says, if you could take me back up to my room, I, I need to find Beatrice, my butler. I hope that she is safe. Of course. She should be on the third floor. All right. Let's get you settled. All right. And be on the lookout if you notice anybody having a little, a little vial. About the size of your middle finger only slightly larger. Be okay. very wary of those people. I think that's my biggest concern, even even about doubling the guard like Kira so wisely suggested. Um, it seems like these people are everyday people who are blending in. I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure that in itself will be effective enough. I think we need to have a conversation with this street preacher. Mordecai. Mordecai. All right. Uh, yeah. So, Roos, you get your sister up to her room. Nari's going to follow along with them. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. Just a couple steps behind, but just kind of making sure things are going okay. Pine is just going up to the entry hall of the keep and finding a place to sit down. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's two nice chairs in the middle of the, <laughs> the middle of the hall. I imagine you just sit your rump down in one of those thrones. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't uh, mean that, but sure. <laughs> Okay, so Nari and Roos are upstairs with Kira in the room and a knocked out Ben. Um, Ebby and Amarok, what are you guys doing? We are going to, well, I'll, I'll pause there as we're starting to head back up the stairs and Ebby's going to turn to Amarok and say, what do you think it means? I've never seen any symbol like this, but it felt like they were working up towards something. Uh, why don't you make your Arcana check again? Um, only because Amarok will give you advantage on your check. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gosh. 
Man. <laughs> I have rolled so poorly this evening. Oh. I rolled a three with advantage. Oh my gosh. Ouch. Okay. Amarok says, I don't. Oh, I know Amarok says whatever, but Amarok does not understand the uh, arcane traditions of, uh, of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then with that, we're going to walk up the stairs and follow everybody else. And Pine's going to take a nap. <laughs> yeah, basically, Pine will be kind of toward the, the entrance to this tower, observing the guards and seeing what they're doing, trying to get a short rest in. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, why don't you go and take a short rest? Um, we'll say everybody else who's up in Kira's room, you guys can take a short rest as well. Um, there's going to be some conversation going on up here. Um, and um, we'll say what happened is um, you guys found actually Beatrice um, was locked in her room here on this third floor. Um, and you also found um, another um, staff uh, person here, Cochran, uh, who actually does all the cooking here in this in the keep for he's a he's Kira's a, a private chef, I guess you could say. Um, he was also locked in his room. And so um, Cochran and uh, he goes back downstairs um, out the door past you, Pine. Um, but Beatrice is here in the room with Kira. All right. Um, ben is here, knocked out on the floor. Um, so Kira um, asks, so this is this is one of them? I, I didn't, Kira, I didn't chat with this one. I As soon as I heard you were downstairs, I, I ran for the stairs. Nari will uh, pop up and say his name was Ben. Um, he, he admitted to us that he was too afraid to drink this vial. Um, and Nari actually pocketed, I think, that vial. So she'll produce it and say, I'm not quite sure what's in here, but whatever it is, it seemed to make all of the others almost zombies. And she'll set it on the desk. She looks at it, she's like, hmm, interesting. Um, should we wake him up and find out what he knows? Beatrice comes over and actually starts tending to Kira, like, uh, you know, uh, kind of bandaging wounds and things um, as Kira um, sits on her bed trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, let's question him. What was that name from that letter that you pocketed, Nari? Uh, yes, it, it was it was Silas. Um, it sounds like it sounds like these people believe that Tiberi itself needs to fall before your meal can come back. And I doubt this will be the last time they attack whoever is ruling Tabory. But why, why Tabory? There's other, there's other new countries. Why Tabory? Why us? It's a pretty cool corner of the world, I think. <laughs> she says, I guess prophecy does just tend to follow our family, doesn't it? <laughs> Something like that. It now, given the way the sea is, it is now the primary artery from the old Almarian Empire over to the uh, to the east. Yes, that's true. We have seen, especially recently, more more trade coming through. You suppose it has anything to do with the location? Perhaps something with the Glass Mountains? Um, how clued in is Kira to everything that you guys have discovered with the Glass Mountains? I would say fully. I think Nari yeah. would have pretty, unless if there's something like we agreed to keep secret, I think Nari would have been pretty open about things. Yeah. Roos would have as well. Yeah. I I suppose that's possible. The glass mountains were, I guess, instrumental in, in stopping Iramil before. Did Nari let us know about the street preacher she ran into? Mordecai. Yeah. No, we, we talked about him. Okay. Well, we can ask Ben if Mordecai is the leader of this organization, or we should try and figure out what we can about this Silas fellow. 
I think that's our best lead to figuring out next steps. Agreed. I think that's a great place to begin. Nari will go over and pick Ben up and just kind of slap him around a bit. She says, maybe, maybe take him down to the prison. Maybe she looks at all of you. She's like, maybe lock him up for tonight and talk to him tomorrow. I think we're all a little worse for wear at this point. I think that's a fine idea. I could use a bit of rest. Nari, Kira, I will excuse myself as well. And Roos will leave. Pine yells from downstairs, put him on a suicide watch. <laughs> all right. Is everybody going to leave the castle then at this point? Wait, do we want to discuss what happens with all the people on the grounds that we knocked out? Oh, that's true. You guys knocked out, like, I think two people out in the courtyard as well. Yeah, like two or three, I think. Pine will point those out to the guards as they're coming in. Say, those ones there are still alive, but be careful. They were very powerful and possibly under the mind control of some substance they ingested. They will need to be bound and put into the prison. Um, as you say that, um, one of the guards, he, he shakes his head. He says, uh, no, they're, they're dead too. They're all dead. I see. Well, does that mean maybe we shouldn't leave? Well, no, Ben didn't drink it, so we're good. Right, right. We need to find Mordecai. Okay, it's it's still the middle of the night. Yeah, if it's anything like apparently was typical, we'll be able to hear him as soon as we wake up. Yeah. Preaching about orgies and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we need to put the town on lockdown and ensure that no one leaves. If we can have the constabulary help to enforce the the gates and it that way we can at least rest a little bit before resuming or beginning a search i agree with you abby i'm a little concerned though that we haven't noticed any of this um tower iconography on any of the people we fought so far tonight but we do know that there is a force of some other party decorated in in tower regalia i don't want to put them on edge as well because like angus was saying There's a lot of them here, and they could make a lot of trouble if they wanted. So maybe a lockdown, but discreet? Just preventing people from leaving? Exactly, yes. What does everybody else think? The guards are like, we, yeah, of course, Lieutenant General, of course, and they salute you, Pine. Oh, (laughs) yes. Make it so. Keep up the good work. (laughs) He loves it when you say those kinds of things, guys. (laughs) Uh, And as I'm walking away, I'm like, um... No, I was trying to think of a Captain Picard quote, but all I could come up with was, number one, I command you to make a number two. That was, <laughs> was a Beavis and Butthead joke. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. <sighs> all right. All right, you guys wander out of the castle slowly, kind of licking your wounds, and you head back down towards the keggery, I'm guessing, where your rooms are. Is there another inn closer to the keep? Um, there is. There's the Stone Horseman, which is um, a little closer to the keep. Um, if you look at the um, the map of Tabri, if you are a patron, you can check out that map um, on Patreon, and you can see that from the keep, if you head, um, the Kagari the is basically as far as you can get from the castle, um, but there is, the Stone Horseman is actually on the western edge of town. It's not in the upper city, it's down in the lower city, but it is um, it is closer than uh, the Kagari. I just don't want to be too far away if we're needed again in the middle of the night. I agree. Plus, I think the quicker we can rest, the uh, better we'll all feel. I just need a quick drink, and then I'll retire to bed. I I need some time to process everything that's happened. Paul, about how much time would we be saving if we went to the Stone Horseman instead of the Kegri? 
I think you guys got there. It only took you like, what, like five, ten minutes tops to run to the castle. So you probably save yourself about five minutes is all. Tabri's okay. not a massive city. Right. Well, maybe the Kagri's fine then. If there's nothing right next door to the keep. Yeah, so we'll head down to the Kagri. You guys can head all the way down to the Kagri. Yeah, yeah, we'll go down to the Kagri. All right. So I redid the map for the Kagri. If anyone is interested who is a patron... Um, I like this one a lot better. Anyway, um, you guys get back to the Kagari. It is um, at this point, gosh, I'm like 4.30 in the morning. Um, there are still people up. Angus is still at the uh, at the bar. Um, he looks tired, but as I, as you recall, the Kagari never really closes. Um, as you come wandering in, you can see that sitting at um, a table, you actually see uh, four of these you see these guys with the tower icon- iconography. You see these these uh, bailiffs is what uh, Nola called them. You see four of them sitting at a table, um, sharing a drink and talking um, by the fire. Um, there's actually three fireplaces in here, but they're sitting by one of the fireplaces. As you guys walk in and Angus is at the bar, are you guys just going to go straight up to your room and go to bed? I think Nari would get a drink, maybe see if Roos still wanted his drink, and then maybe sit kind of close to those guys and just see if they can maybe overhear something. Yeah, Roos will get a drink too, and he's um, he's thinking about saying some things to those guys. Okay, all right. Uh, Pine, are you going to stick around? Yeah, Pine will get something as well. I don't know if I'll be any use, but... I think uh, Ebby is going to ask Amarok to go invisible and kind of slink over in the corner near them and see if Amarok can overhear the conversation. All right. Um, yeah, so um, you guys are all going to kind of get some drinks and you're going to send Amarok invisibly over to kind of uh, hang out by these uh, tower folk. Um, as you walk up to the bar, Angus is like, oh, late night. You know how we do. We party hard. And then he kind of raises a, raises a cup. He's like, I hear you. And then he takes a swig and then he says, what'll it be? A splint, please. <laughs> he, uh, he pulls out a little like cheat sheet looking to like how to make a splint. Um, like, I've never heard of that drink. You look like you could do some rest. Yeah, yeah, yes. I, but, but my friends are still drinking. <laughs> <laughs> he gives you guys all a couple of beers. And uh, yeah, okay. There you are. So you guys, uh, you guys wanted to be kind of close to these uh, tower people? Yeah. Well, well, I'm not sure that's necessary if Amarok is being invisible. What do you guys think? I'm fine with that. I think even if just, even if Amarok was just listening while the rest of us went to bed, I would be fine with that too. Yeah. After we drank our drinks. Yep. Okay. As as the group is uh, drinking, Roos will say, they're looking for information about the hanging. Something about the hanging, possibly involving um, the adjudicator, Rolf, that was killed. We were there. We could leverage what we know, perhaps get information from them about why they're here. Well, I did mention it'd be nice to have a plaque. Do you do you think <laughs> it's worth trading our knowledge? I don't. I don't know if we want these people to know what we know. I wouldn't tell them everything, but I'd sure like to know why they're here in our city. Well, maybe we should let Amarok spy for the night. We can go to bed and then kind of decide in the morning based on what he he hears good idea so they we they call themselves bailiffs that right yeah that's what angus told me the bailiffs and they've been asking about adjudicator rolf i think they may be connected to the adjudicator somehow 
like a courtroom thing. Yeah, that's, I mean, as far as I understood the word bailiff to be and in, involving the courtroom, but I, I don't know where they come from or what that tower even symbolizes. Um, anybody who spent time in Almar before the empire kind of dissolved would know that the adjudicators, um, their kind of home base was called the Tower of Judgment, um, also called the Adjudicatorium. Oh. Um, but that was kind of their their home base. So the idea of tower and adjudicators is not a crazy leap to make. Wasn't hmm. there a movie called uh, Mr. Magorium's Wonder Adjudicatorium or something like that? <laughs> I, yeah, I just watched that with my kids a couple like months that. ago. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you guys going to bed then, leaving Amarok down there? I won't even finish his beer, like three sips, and then on the table, it's like, I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> good night, old man. Good night. Let's play some bocce in the morning and set off on a good foot tomorrow. All right, all right. Good night, everyone. I want to know... If you guys had a room, would it be, would you guys be sharing rooms? Would you have single rooms? Um, would you have the nicest room? Kind of what would you do? Would you be having Ember's old room? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Memories. Getting strange visitors knocking on your door in the middle of the night, wondering <laughs> if Mistress Ember ever returned. Uh, basically. Roos would probably want one of the nicer rooms. Okay. Not, maybe not the nicest, but a nicer room. Okay. Yeah, I don't think Nari would care so much about quality, but at this point, I think she's well enough off that she would want her own room. Okay. Pine was pretty much planning to live here, so probably not the most expensive, but a nice enough room. Okay. And Ebby doesn't even have a room yet, I don't think. No, I mean, Ebby can literally just stand or sit in a corner and stare. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bruce. Okay. <laughs> well, um, Bruce, we'll say your room is this one. This is the nicest room here on the second floor. So your room is kind of right at the top of the stairs, but it's a big room. It's like 20 feet by 20 feet. Um, big double bed in there. Um, you got like a wardrobe and a desk. Um, nice carpet on the ground. Again, this is not the nicest inn you've stayed in, but here at the Kagery, this is probably the nicest room that the Kagery has. Okay. Pine, your room would be a couple, uh, couple uh, doors down, or three doors down, um, across the hall from from Roos, but three doors down. It's just a basic room. You've got a bed, you've got a little nightstand, and then you have places to put the rest of your stuff, but it won't break the bank. And then, uh, Nari, I think your room would be right right next to uh, Roos's room. Um, just a simple single bed um, and, uh, again, another little nightstand. Basically, a, a, a kind of a copy of, of, of Pine's room. And then, um, Ebby, where are you going to be spending your night? I, I'd probably go with pine i would imagine just like old times yeah you know Abby, it's strangely comforting having you staring at me from the corner <laughs> that's so i'm always watching over you pine i'm always watching over you who's <laughs> <laughs> is laying in his bed wondering why didn't Abby want to come and stare at me tonight <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Bruce just wants to be wanted. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, man. Abby's feigning disinterest, huh? Oh, Bruce, I didn't see you there. My <laughs> <laughs> <Not> bad. <laughs> oh, golly. That's oh, you're huh? here at the Kegory, too? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've got rooms here. <laughs> oh, well, that's wonderful. Have a good night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see you in the morning. We'll, we'll see you in the morning. Uh, 
All right. So uh, you guys all go to bed. You guys can all take a long rest now and get some of your, oh gosh, get some of your hit points back. That was a pretty brutal night. Um, and then in the morning, you guys can go chat with uh, Ben or talk to any, you know, any of the prisoner. Or I guess he's the only prisoner, or the only one that's still alive. Um, and uh, try to figure out what is going on. Um, but in the night, uh, Ebby, as you are sitting in the corner of Pine's room, listening to him snore, you uh, you are seeing through the, or you're, you're sensing what Amarok is, is seeing. Amarok is uh, lounging down by the fireplace. And I imagine he's probably getting tired of just kind of sitting here, just watching these people um, drink. And, um, and they don't really talk very much. And you can sense, uh, Amarok can sense there's like an uneasiness um, to this group. Um, not... Uneasiness is wrong word. There is a tension and a um, a restlessness. Um, and then um, at some point, a couple hours after you guys go to bed, one of them goes up to uh, to bed, goes up the stairs to bed here, and then another couple of them come into the the uh, kegery, and then they chat for a little bit. So then there's five of them down here, and one of them um, kind of shakes his head as he comes walking in. And then another one says, so no luck then. And then the other one says, uh, no, no luck. We've been looking everywhere. It's, it's got to be here somewhere. And then um, the, uh, a third one who hasn't talked yet says, well, they'll be here soon. And I hope we have some answers for them. Hopefully some good news. And then uh, they all kind of agree. And... Then these, uh, these five who are still here, they all kind of get up and they, um, they kind of split up. A couple of them come back up here to bed and then uh, a couple of them go out the door, um, back out into the streets of Tabri as the sun is starting to rise uh, in the sky. And everybody wakes up in the morning after having a long rest. Level nine. I yeah. did not say that. Oh. <laughs> we got to get used to level eight. We got to get used to this respect level eight first before we can oh add on any more. All right. Well, good morning. It is a new morning. It is a sun shining uh, type of a day. Um, it's one of those spring days where you can smell the blossoms on the trees. It's one of the, you look out the window and you can see all of these uh, blossoming trees and you can just, feel that summer is just right around the corner but it's not it's still kind of early spring but you just get the get your hopes up that it's going to start being even warmer um and you have a a new day so paul if i've done the math correctly i should still have one level of exhaustion is that correct um i think we had kind of said if you get a long rest you can just get rid of all your exhaustion okay cool well let's get some breakfast and uh find mordecai yes eggs bacon sausage potatoes Maybe some beans and some toast. Perfect. I'm hungry. And just so you know, regarding what Amarok saw last night or, or overheard, they were searching for someone or something um, to no luck, but they said that others would be coming soon and they didn't want to disappoint them. Or at least that was the impression that I had. So hopefully we can find this individual quickly. Are you guys talking down there at your table? As you guys are eating breakfast? Yeah, yeah, I would assume so. Okay. Well, if they're looking for something, as I recall, Rolf left his sword here when he died. Perhaps they're looking for his weapon. And that makes me nervous about other weapons that may have gone missing from the adjudicatorium. Yes, but um, 
is, is damn near unrecognizable now since uh, Nari's had all that cosmetic work done on it. Well, I wasn't going to say Nari or anything along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I was whispering it. Oh, wait. I forgot to turn my, my hearing aid up this morning. I was <laughs> shouting that. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, that's no, I was being quiet about it. Uh, you see that at this point, there's no none of these tower guys are in here. There's just kind of random folks in here just uh, eating some late breakfast. You guys, since you got to bed so late, you guys, to get your full rest, it's it's a late morning right now. Yeah, I, that's, where, that's where my mind goes for what they're after, but I, I could be wrong. I, I have no... I have n- no real evidence for that. That's just what I think. If someone's coming, they don't want to disappoint. I mean, are this are there still adjudicators? There's no more empire. I, I don't know. I guess the question was 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 the arm of adjudication this this office or branch of the adjudicators was it an extension of the government or was it an extension of the religion of the angel of Irmiel? Why don't you make a, a history check, Ebby? You've spent a lot of time in Almar, so why don't you make a history check? Oh, history. Nice. Here we go. All right, 15. <laughs> I have a negative one on my intelligence, so I thought it was going to be way bad. Too bad you couldn't have rolled that for the Arcana check. I know, right? <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, with history, actually, so as you're talking, you kind of... You remember hearing rumblings um, in Almar of like, even after the Empire uh, was brought down in its second year post, uh, post-shattering, you remember hearing rumblings that there were, the adjudicators was, were still um, acting. They were still uh, enforcing their, um, their will on people um, and still taking their role of being the voice of the emperor and of reason and of being judges um, they were still taking that very seriously. Um, uh, and as you were in um, Almar, you also heard tales of one of the adjudicators. You're not sure which one, but of one of the adjudicators becoming almost like a, a crime boss um, or like mafia type thing, like uh, using his position and his authority that he had as an adjudicator um, for his own gain uh, in starting sort of a... Uh, Criminal syndicate is the wrong word, but kind of more of like a mafia family type of a situation. So you know that the adjudicators are still around and that um, there were six of them and you have killed two of them. um, And you don't know if there's more now, uh, but that's kind of what you have managed to gather from your time in Almar. Perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, I'll just relay exactly all of that to the whole group. Well, regardless of any authority they may still hold, they were formidable opponents, at least the two that we fought already. I mean, the two that were, you you know, I'm being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> you see somebody peeking up from around the, the, the uh, over the side of the railing there and like, ooh, no, I'm just kidding. That doesn't like, happen. No, we're just, we're just playing a role-playing game. <laughs> Look, if there, Actually, if I do there... have a question about that. Do people recognize Roos? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Angus did. Oh, yeah. People okay. know who people know who Roos is. Angus called him. Angus called him uh, your highness and stuff. Okay. Okay. So people, yeah, yeah, we definitely should be quiet. <laughs> so if they're if they're doing any real digging, they're gonna know that at least I was involved and Nari and Mister Pine. I don't know if they would have any um, any recollection of a wrapped person. 
I wouldn't be surprised. I know that when we when we had the events in the square, uh, you know, they saw me as a deacon in particular. That's true. Yeah. So they may not have any any uh, connection to you, Abby. But if they if these tower folks have been doing any digging about those events, they definitely have have heard some of our names come up in conversation. And I wouldn't imagine it would take too much digging to figure out that there there's an Ormac that hangs around with the uh, the former king. Although he does he doesn't look like an Ormac though. Look at him, he handsome handsome fella. <laughs> and that mustache, man, I just can't take my eyes off it. Um, why don't you guys all make insight checks? Pine rolled a ten. Nari rolled a nineteen. Roos got a twenty-eight, and Epi got a twenty-three. Oh golly! Okay, um, nice rolls. As you guys are sitting here, kind of talking about, you know, um, they're gonna they're gonna link it to you guys eventually. Uh, you can't help but think about, well, why haven't they yet? And um, uh, Roos and Nari and Epi, you guys all kind of come to the same conclusion that um, there's a very real possibility that they might link Rolf to you and. There's also a very real possibility. The reason why it hasn't happened yet is because you guys are kind of seen as heroes of Tabory. Um, the small folk rose up and fought, um, you know, the uh, the riot that you guys started, you know. So um, you guys were rescuing one of their own. You guys are rescuing Bert um, from the evil empire. And so will it slip out eventually? Probably. Um, but it prob- But if it hasn't yet, it's because people don't want to snitch on you guys and just to be clear we may have started the riot but angus perfected it <laughs> <laughs> you glance over back at, at angus behind the bar as he's picking his nose <laughs> <laughs> well if we if we fear we may be in more immediate danger and given the events of last night i'm gonna go call in some backup i'll be right back and pines is gonna go out the front door and start calling for crumbles okay nice You hear the bugle uh, coming from, like, uh, kind of uh, all around you. Uh, th- that sound is kind of uh, siphoned through some of the alleyways and down the streets, and it kind of wraps around you. You feel a little blast of wind kind of whip around you, a little whirlwind of, like, leaves and petals from these trees that are all blossoming in pink. And then from behind a building, out steps a Aurora Borealis-colored... Alaton. Rumbles here, boy. Here, boy. Hey, I'm sorry to bring you into the city. I know your your place is in the wilderness, out in the wild, but I fear we may be in danger, and it would be good to have your horn and your fast hooves ready to, to aid us in whatever we need. I'll find a good stable for you. He nuzzles your hand. Okay. And I'm sure the Kagri has a stable, right? Yes, the Kagri does have a stable. I'll just lead him over to the stable here at the cakery and then head back inside. You literally just kind of walk over to the stable and Crumbles just kind of walks past you and then goes into the, one of the one of the uh, like the stalls and then uh, reaches down and closes the gate with his own mouth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's just like, yep. And then he just kind of sits down and starts just kind of just napping a little bit. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, I'll head back in. All right. Should we head over to the pit and see if that uh, preacher has started his morning routine. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. And I think we should just arrest him on site and bring him to the keep. A citizen's arrest. Classy. 
<laughs> well, technically, I, I, have a, I have a position within the, uh, the Queen's government, so I could probably make that arrest, or if we pass any constables on the way, I could have them come with us, yes. Make it all official. The people of Tabry won't stop us. If they see the four of us walking through town with someone in our possession, they're going to look the other way. It's true, Bruce, but remember, we're not Howling Talon anymore, and we're supposed to represent law and order in this city to help Kira. I think it's probably best if we if we involve the constabulary in, in, bringing, him, uh, in bringing him in for questioning. Mordecai and his people threw law and order out the window when they tried to murder the queen last night. That's true. We don't need to sink to their level. All right. You you lead this one then. Okay. Uh, Pine will stand up, sit back down, grab a spoonful of beans and shove them into his mouth and then get back up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to finish my breakfast. I was out calling my Aelaton. Um, oh, well, I mean, we can take another minute if you need. <laughs> Is that what they call it these days in the morning? Yes. <laughs> Calling my Aelaton. <laughs> calling uh, Takes me yeah. a good 20 minutes most days. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I, I call my Aelaton a couple times a day. <laughs> you know, the older you get, the longer it takes. It's the swollen prostate. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Pine is going to ride crumbles through the city. Uh, so Nice. Okay. Hey, you guys ride crumbles through the city. You guys, you guys are moving through town. You guys, every once in a while, get like little uh, like waves and things. And people like waving at you. People say, "Oh, hey, Lieutenant General," or uh, "Your Highness," that kind of thing. Um, and uh, <laughs> you guys uh, manage to get all the way to the pit. The pit is kind of up in the northeast corner of the town. It's kind of right at the base of this uh, this bluff that kind of runs through the city. Um, separating the upper city from the lower city. And as you approach, you can see there are um, market stalls. There are some, you know, sheds and different kind of ramshackle uh, stalls. There's also some nice tents and nice awnings that have been uh, set up and are being used. And you can hear um, from one corner, you can hear somebody um, calling out um, things about the inevitable. You hear calling out, Iremil will have his say. And you hear him saying, um, it's pointless. It's pointless to resist the inevitable and uh, and the like. And you also, as you are walking into the pit, you hear another voice. And it says, my goodness, my friends. And as you turn, you see, any guesses? <laughs> A chubby Morgan Freeman. Is it? <laughs> Morgan Freeman. Yes, yes. You see a um, a, a black man with uh, kind of uh, full cheeks, gray hair. Um, he's dressed in traveler's clothes. He's got a big black witch's hat on his head, and next to him you see this giant woolly ox with a small little crystal rotating around its head. There is a stall kind of set up behind him, and. Um, and you can see that Gerard and Porthos are here selling their wares. Ebby runs up and says, my dear friend, and then walks right past Gerard over to Porthos <laughs> and just starts talking to him. Well, oh, perfect. Uh, Pine will kneel, will like lean down to, to Crumbles' ear 
And then Manarese will say, Hey, that Porthos, apparently he had a little thing for you. What do you think, huh? Um, can you actually communicate? He's unusually intelligent. Um, while your seat is within one mile of you, you can communicate with each other telepathically. Oh, my. <laughs> okay, well, um, Crumples is your creature, so how does Crumples respond to what you just told him? So, um, and it's not really like a, we don't talk to each other. It's more of just sharing the feelings. And, and I get the feeling that Crumbles is not a sexual being. So not interested, <laughs> but thinks that uh, thinks that Porthos is a, a just a, a nice guy to hang out with. Yeah, a real stand up dude. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's great. OK, well, uh, Gerard is saying things like, oh, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in. Oh, gosh. Since before the shattering, how have you been? And he looks at you, Pine, and he says, I, it's really good to see you. I, I'm, I'm very pleased that you have, and he kind of stumbles over how to say it, survived so long. Um, good, good to see you. Yes, the old man is now an older man and fully capable of survival. Good to see uh, you, Gerard. Um, I'll be back to browse your wares, but... First, there's something a little more pressing I must do. And Pine's going to actually head off and try to scan for a, a constable in the, uh, in the market. Okay, yeah, you see constables moving around through the, through the, through the pit. I'll approach one um, from Crumble's, again, from Crumble's back and, and approach one and say, You there, uh, constable. Yeah, he salutes you. Lieutenant General, of course. We are being extra cautious this morning. We, we heard of what happened last night, and we want you to know that we won't let anything like that happen to our queen again. I'll summon them closer and I'll say, this, um, this Mordecai, this street preacher, we need to question him. We don't want it to be done violently. We want it to be done with order. We want it to be done peacefully. So can you please peacefully take him into custody and take him to the keep? We'll talk with him there. Of, of course, Lieutenant General. And he turns around and he, he spots another constable and he kind of does the two finger whistle thing that I cannot do. that I've always been very jealous of. Anyway. Yeah. And so the other constable comes over, um, and uh, the first constable says, Lieutenant General, we're, we're ready when you are. We'll, we'll make sure he comes with us. Just go do it. I'll just observe from here. And I'll just, I'll just watch as they approach him and try. Uh, hopefully they're just trying to do like a, a nice, peaceful, like, please come with us. And then I'll go back and talk with Gerard. Yeah, as, as you watch these two constables, they walk over to Mordecai. You can see him up there preaching. And as soon as they get closer, Mordecai stops preaching and looks down at them. You can see that they are talking back and forth, that first constable that you had stopped, he's he's taking lead. Um, he says something to him, kind of motions with his hands, and then Mordecai steps off his box and picks it up, and he starts walking with the constables, one on either side of him, and they are walking together. Um, so um, they are going to take him to the constabulary, um, not to the castle because this they're, they're constables. Right. So in the, if you want them to go somewhere else, you need to tell them. No, we can we can question them there. That's fine. Okay, perfect. Awesome. They take you. They take them to the constabulary, which is over kind of by it's. Uh, I think it's actually attached to uh, the city hall, um, which is up there in the upper city. Um, so yeah, they start marching Mordecai off, and as um, he's walking by, um, Pine he looks Mordecai looks over at you and makes eye contact with you. And then turns back and walks on with the constables. Okay, and I don't recognize him? No, you do not recognize him. Okay. In fact, you haven't recognized anybody. You've been here in the city on and off for a couple of years. You haven't recognized anybody. When you say anybody, you mean any of the cultists? 
Yes. Okay. All right. Because I because like I recognize Angus. Like I'm not like losing my my sense of like no, facial no. awareness. Right. I don't know, no. dude. You're getting kind of up there in age. <laughs> you recognize Angus. You recognize Gerard. You recognize Porthos. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll just watch that happen while the others start their shopping, and I'll join them in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Sure thing. All right, so uh, Gerard's like, "What? I've got potions. I've got, I've got more excellent items. I've got some of these." And he pulls out some like red healing potions again. He's like, "I know you guys like these." And he's got five greater healing potions, and he's got four uh, regular healing potions. Um, he pulls out this bottle with the number nine on it. He's like, "I can't get anyone to buy this." It's nice um, to know that the people of this world have morals. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, and then he's got, um, he's got, so the, the potions that he's got, he's got the healing potions, he's got that filter of love, he's got um, an antidote, elixir of health, um, and then he's got um, potion of hero- heroism still, he's got a potion of growth, um, which is like that clear fluid with the expanding red bead, it keeps con- expanding and contracting. Um, he's got a white potion with little, or a black potion with little white wisps in it, it is a potion of spider climb, and he's got that bead of force, um, that was like 960 gold pieces. And then he's got two new potions that you haven't seen before. So he's got this yellow one, um, which is a uh, potion of speed. And then he's got this uh, this one that keeps flashing. It looks looks like it's um, empty. And then all of a sudden pink fluid will fill it and then it'll disappear again and fill it and disappear and fill. Um, and he says, this, this potion, uh, this is a potion of blink. If you drink it, it will actually, occasionally it'll zap you off to another dimension and then back again. It's not permanent, but um, it it will work in a pinch to keep you safe. What dimension? Um, I don't know. I've never drank it. But but it keeps you safe while you're there. Or so you understand. So I was assured, yes. Okay. So it's not like, it's not like sending you off to the Nine Hells and back. Uh, maybe a safe place in the Nine Hells? I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. But apparently it keeps you safe. I, I don't I don't know. It's 450 gold pieces. What about the, the potion of speed? What does that do? This one makes it so that you are um, extra fast for a, a short time. Um, afterwards, I do believe that you might be a little bit tired, but um, but yes, it'll make you quick. And basically, it casts haste on you. Nice. And then he starts pulling out other things, and he's like, I've got these other things. Those, those are the potions, but I've got this, and he pulls out the ever-smoking bottle. He pulls out the rope of climbing... He pulls out another little ion stone um, that you guys have seen before, an ion stone of health. And then he pulls out a bag of holding, which you guys have seen before. And then he pulls out three more objects. Um, he pulls out this this long staff, and it looks like a, a tree limb, but it's kind of the end. Um, so not the end you plant in the ground, but the, the, the top end looks like kind of this dried up um, husk of, a, of like a, a limb. Um, and he says, uh, this staff will actually, um, if you, if you strike someone with it, it will actually, um, it'll whack them, but good. (laughs) He says, this, (laughs) this, this staff will whack them, but good. Basically it's a staff of withering, which means that when you hit with it, um, it has three charges. You can expend a charge and deal an extra 2d10 damage, uh, necrotic damage. And then also um, that person who gets hit needs to make a DC 15 constitution save or they're going to have disadvantage for an hour on any ability check or saving throw that uses strength or constitution, 
which wow. includes, um, I believe that would include um, attacking, possibly. Wow. wow. Um, how does it recharge its magical ability on a, on a regular basis? Or is it just a limited number of charges permanently? No, it's it, 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 you can use it three times and then some of it comes back every morning. You've got to call your Aelaton, and that's how the charges come back. <laughs> <laughs> Hi-yo. Key joke. Um, how, how much for that one? Uh, 3,000 gold pieces. Ah. I've also got these, and then he pulls out two small rods that are just kind of basically, they're just um, small metal rods. He's got two of them, and he lays them down, and he's like, I've got this pair. These are fantastic. In fact, watch this. And he grabs two of them in his hand, and he starts like, climbing a ladder in the air. These are two immovable rods. Oh, rad. Debbie says, those are very normal-sized rods, very <laughs> average. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I've seen bigger rods, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, and smaller ones, too. I mean, this is just average size. <laughs> it's just average. It's nothing, nothing fancy. You can also see behind him, there is a large shield, a large metal shield, and on the front of the shield, it has this kind of this um uh, uh it's a like a steel shield but there's like this golden image of a of a um, of a woman dancing on the front of the shield Ooh. interesting what, what what can you tell us about the shield oh this shield actually if you say it's command word let me try to remember what it is and then he says um dance and this shield hops up and it it hovers right next to him. He's like, go on, try to punch me. But quick, this doesn't last forever. All right, Abby will try to very lightly throw a jab out. The shield swings over and blocks your, your punch. This is an animated shield. So you can speak the command word as a bonus action and it will animate. The shield leaps into the air and it hovers in your space to protect you as if you were wielding it. Um, and that lasts for a minute. Um, or you can use a bonus action to end the effect or if you are incapacitated or die, um, at, which to, at which point it will fall to the ground or it'll return to your hand. Wow, that's pretty cool. Like, it's fantastic. How many times can you use that one a day? Um, this one, I think you can use it as many times as you want. Hmm. It's expensive, though. It's quite expensive. This shield is 6,000 gold pieces. Good grief. Oh, that's a lot. And these rods, uh, they're 5,000 for the pair. You know, people need to eat. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> well, uh. I think we may be interested in some of these items, but Gerard, I think I have something that might interest you. It's a book of Sudoku puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> it's a oh cookbook with a lot of omelet recipes. <laughs> yes. He starts looking through it. Um, what's that book called again in real life? The Tome of Clear Thought. It does not appear in the same magic items prices. Okay. He pulls out a pearl and he holds it in his hand and he starts kind of rubbing the pearl as he's looking at this book. Um, and he says, well, this is, this is fine indeed, but I, I mean, only one person can use it. And then I don't feel like it's usable again for quite some time. Huh. That's what I, I figured that the ink would have to fade on the puzzles before someone else could use it. But, I mean, 
you're wearing the you're wearing that wizard hat. So it seems like maybe you could make use of this even for yourself. Well, that's what I'm pondering. He uh he kind of goes over to his little uh awning that he's got there, his little uh hut that he's got there and he starts looking through uh, this little lockbox he starts counting and then he's looking at it kind of trying to figure out how much money he's got and he looks back at you and he says I'll give you 3,000 for it 3,000 come on at least an even trade for that shield make a persuasion check you, so, wait you'll sh- trade it for the shield the, the shield was 6,000 the shield was 6,000 and I made a 23 on my persuasion he says I'll 3500 but that's as high as I can go. I'll consider it. But if you do take this, if we do sell this to you, there are stipulations. There is a library to Cadriel in Arklevy. There's also a secret library. You may have heard of it. Should you buy this, you would need to make sure that it makes its way to that library after it's used. I... 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 I would agree to that, yes. Okay. Are are you selling it to me then? Well, I'll talk with my colleagues here to see what it is we are interested in procuring. Okay. Give us a moment. Yeah. So what has struck your fancy? Anything in particular? Uh, Nari, I think, just wants a couple of those potions of healing. The greater healing. Greater healing? There are 150 apiece. How many of them are there? There's five of them. All right. I think we should buy all five and just divvy them up between us. That's probably a good idea. I think that shield would be awesome for Nari because she could make it dance and then wield a two-handed weapon. Yeah. Yeah, I do like the idea of that shield. Yeah, it gives you plus two AC. At the same time, though, it would be pretty cool for Ebby and or Pine, too. We, we can all use shields. Yeah. Yeah, but you're already using a shield, Pine. You can't you can't double up on a shield, I don't think. Oh, I know, but it'd just be sweet to have a flying <laughs> shield. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and for everyone listening, Pine's not using a shield. He's using a cane as a shield. We've reflavored his shield as a cane. Yeah. Well, I have the Shield of Faith spell, so I I don't need it. And I think Nari does, too. That's what I was going to say. I have the spell that gives me plus two on my AC, so, like, I don't really need it. But this would give you plus two again. That would give you a plus four to your AC. But I get it. It's there. It's 6,000 gold. Bag of Holding for 4,000. Ion Stone of Strength for 3,000. Rope of Climbing for 2,000, and Ever Smoking Bottle for 1,000. Nari, are you interested in this um, Stone of Strength? Or are you already kind of maxed out on your strength? Um, I'm pretty close to maxed out. Uh, what does a Stone of Strength do? It adds two. Yeah, plus oh, two plus strength. Two. But you, you top out at 20. Yeah, uh, I'm at 18 right now, so I, I could definitely take it, but it's it's not my biggest worry. But Ebby, you're interested in the shield. Uh... You know, it's it's not mission critical. If we were going to pick up something, I think the shield could be very useful for all of us. But, you know, either way, the staff was rather intri- intriguing as well. I just feel that I've drifted away from trying to be in melee combat. Honestly, I think that staff would be very useful for Nari as well. She could hit a couple of times with that and then switch to her axe. Oh, yes. And the staff was a little bit less expensive as well. We, we might be able to trade the book for the staff. It's true, but uh, those those immovable rods also seem very handy for blocking passages or um, stopping carts, um, breaking legs. Uh, uh, yeah, the immovable rod pair was 5,000. Or you can buy one for 3,000. 
Well, I guess a case could be made for any of them. What do you think would be the most useful? I feel like either I feel like the shield would probably be the most useful. Maybe the staff. Now, do we have enough money to purchase the shield <laughs> if I can only get thirty five hundred for the for this um book of puzzles? I have twenty platinum and six hundred and fifty gold. Whoa! Plus a couple silvers. That's eight hundred. Right there. I also have about eight hundred. I guess I've been eating through my reserves, living on the road. <laughs> Gerard, I will sell you this book of puzzles for thirty-five hundred. Done. So now we have that to, to work with. Plus sixteen hundred gold. That's like five thousand. Yep. Anything else you guys can sell? I never sold my um, scimitar of life stealing. Um, he'll offer you. Ah, wow, that's not, he'll offer you five hundred gold pieces for that. Okay, so I have I have about eight hundred gold as well. Then, okay, so I think all together we have about six thousand gold. Um, I know I for sure would like to have at least a couple potions of greater healing, and then I'm open to anything else. How much were the potions of greater healing again, Gerard? One hundred and fifty a piece. So if you want all five of them, that's seven hundred and fifty. Okay, so we'll take all the the potions of greater healing. And then, what else? Because I'm not using any of the thing, other things. There is a horn of blasting, I think, that might, might be for sale. I don't know if you guys want to keep that. <laughs> well, but do I want to give away the horn of blasting? It looks so good on top of your head right there. I mean, you and, you and Gerard look like twins, wearing your pointy hats. <laughs> how, how much would you give me for this horn of blasting? Oh, let's see here. This, uh... This sort of a megaphone thing. Um, 225. That's it? Oh, I'll keep it. <laughs> it's very dangerous. He's like, I, he, he, as you pull it out and, hold, and let him hold it for a second, he can like feel it vibrating in his hand. He's like, I don't know about this. <laughs> a one in 20 chance of exploding in your face. <laughs> well, I do. I'm keeping it then. Yeah, that saved our life a couple years back. Yeah. Well, um, did you guys make it to your goal of how much money you needed? I don't, I don't know that we did. You know, a lot of the things are kind of nice to haves, but not necessarily need to haves, except for those potions of healing. He says, "Well, I will be here in town if you if you decide to come back. If you get some more money, scrounge something together, I'm more than happy to make a deal for you, my friends." Well, we'll take the potions now. So that was how much? Uh, Seven fifty. Okay. All right. I'll subtract it from mine. All right, very cool. Two for Nari, one for the rest of us. That sounds fair. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. Well, perfect. All right, you guys, uh, as you guys finish up talking with Gerard, he starts, um, uh, you know, harassing other people as they walk by. Hey, come see what I've got. Hey, friend, come here. And you realize he calls everybody friends. It's not just you. Um, Suddenly it's less special. <laughs> um, yes, so where did you guys want to go at this point? I think to the constabulary, right? Yeah, we don't want to keep him waiting. He's not really accused of anything yet. Right. Okay, as you guys start to leave the pit and head towards um, kind of the middle drawbridge, there's these drawbridges that, that, that uh, can, uh, these ramps with drawbridges on them that can lead you from the lower city to the upper city. Um, you head towards the middle one, which is going to be the quickest way to get to the constabulary. As you are um, 
walking there, suddenly you you hear a little bit of commotion, and as you turn your head, you see three of these uh, tower-wearing men and women. You see them rush past you, heading uh, southwest, and they seem to be in a hurry. Hmm. I think we should probably follow them. I mean, it does seem like our Mordecai is uh, indisposed right now, so might as well follow the people who are going free. Yes, it was alarming. Let's let's follow them. Yes. Okay. Um, as you uh, are, you going to run after them, or are you just going to kind of try to keep them in your eyesight, or or what? Uh, I think maybe as discreetly as we can. Should okay. I send Amarok? up to go and try to keep an eye on them. What's Amarok's speed? Um, he has flight speed of 40 feet. Okay. Yeah, Amarok can keep up with them no problem. Um, so are you guys going to hang back and let Amarok follow them? Yeah, and then I'll just, I mean, I'm on crumbles, so I'm going to be on the streets. I'm not going to be, like, slinking around, but I'll just try to look like I'm off for a Sunday morning ride. Okay. Um, well, these guys are moving like 60 feet per round, basically. These guys are hustling. That's what Crumbles does on, you know, on easy mode. Uh, people are kind of giving you some glares as you're as you're riding by because um, you're not exactly going at a leisurely pace for here in the city. As you are following these three bailiffs as they run through town uh, in a hurry, you can see that they are actually heading straight towards the Kagari. And as they approach the Kagari, you see there is a bailiff standing in front of the Kagari door, who he then opens it, allowing these three to enter in, and then closes it. And as you approach, uh, you can also see that there is a letter, like a long um, piece of paper that has been nailed to the front door of the Kagari. And this bailiff steps uh, kind of off to the side, but right there by the door. Um, and he has a sword drawn with its point on the ground as he rests his hands on the pommel. These bailiffs have taken over the Kagari. And that's where we're going to end for tonight. Ooh, that's where I sleep. <laughs> I can't believe Angus would let them do that. <laughs> it's well, time to start a riot. <laughs> <laughs> time to start a riot, exactly. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, hey, thanks for playing tonight. Um, it's been a fun one. You guys managed to survive that fight with... Uh, with the cult in the castle. And then you guys might do some little shopping, talk about what's going on. And it sounds like some other intriguing things are going on in the city at this moment. So uh, if you like what we're doing, go check out our Patreon. You guys can leave uh, ratings and reviews for us. It really helps us out. And until we see you next time, we hope you have a great time.